0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. Blue
1: moon, you saw me standing low. Welcome to the Man City show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And well, what a week in the life of a Manchester City supporter. Uh, with our first team midweek, we strode past Real Madrid 4-0. Yes, yes, that's Real Madrid 4-0 uh, to reach yet another Champions League final. And at the weekend, without kicking a ball, we won another Premier League title. That's three in a row, and we secured it with our reserves, easily beating a very poor Chelsea team. And then we had a party, and it was marvellous. To celebrate all of that, I've got three guests, and just before I introduce them, just to warn you, we're going to have a positive podcast. You're not allowed to say anything negative, because this team, this club, this manager are amazing. So welcome to the positive podcast. Two of my guests will find this really easy. Welcome to Sarah Messager. Hi Sarah. Hello Nigel. Welcome also to Tony Newgrosh. Hi Tony. Hello. Hi Nigel. Someone will find it slightly more difficult. Welcome, Lisa Rabinovitz. Hi Lisa.
2: Hi Nigel.
1: <laughs> Listen, let us let us start. Let us start. Premier League champions. We we're how many points behind Arsenal? You know, we can't play with Erling Haaland. He's changed the way we play. It's just not our year. You've done very well. You know, you're not going to win it every year. And suddenly it all clicked into place. And it is a joy and a pleasure to wear the Champions three in a row, three in a row T-shirt, what I bought from the shop only yesterday. Uh, listen, uh, Sarah, your smiling, beaming face is uh, a joy to behold. Uh, how happy are you then after all of that stuff?
0: It's not moved this face for about forty-eight hours, Nigel. Hopefully, it's not going to move for about another two and a half weeks, and then, uh, and then maybe I'll maybe I'll occasionally move into a frown every now and again, but not related to city, because obviously we're just being ultra positive. I mean, you know, it. Everyone that comes on this podcast, I think, has lived through the horrors. uh, Doesn't take any of the pleasure and happiness that we're getting at the moment for granted. Um, never wants to be complacent about just winning another Premier League title. It's amazing. I think if we're really honest, there were moments earlier in this season when probably all of us just wondered whether the team were capable of doing what they've gone on to do. Um, but I think over the last week, I've just realised that never doubt them, never doubt Pet. this is an amazing football team, brilliantly coached, Uh, fantastic players, a way of playing that people try to replicate but can't do it as well as we do it and we are by far the best team in England and hopefully we're going to prove soon the best team in Europe.
1: Tony what is it has given you most pleasure this season? I mean I guess there's so many things you must have a list a mile long I would imagine but just give us a few as a way of introduction we can then get into a bit more detail a bit later maybe.
3: We've been like a freight train coming through the past few few months and weeks, haven't we? And just the sheer quality and joyousness of our football has been astonishing. You look at the victories against Liverpool, the way we just dismantled Arsenal. It's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to watch. And what a great bunch of lads and what a credit to the Premier League as a whole. I've just loved every second of it.
1: Lisa, welcome to the positive podcast. Uh, nice to see you. Um, your your thoughts and reflections. Then keep it positive, Lisa. Come on, you can, you can come on, Lisa. You can do this. Come on.
2: It's really not difficult, even for me, to be positive. Um, I I don't know. Last time I was on, I thought I said I thought we'd win it. I have been reasonably relaxed. Ish. I I just there's something about the way we've been playing that just made me think we were going to do it. I. I'm not even sure I can put my finger on it. I think things changed. There are a number of things that seem to trigger changes in us, one of which was Cancelo going. Um, And we've just... when I think a lot of us thought that might cause us problems with another squad member down. It just seemed to galvanise us. And I I just don't know how anyone... And and the people who tell, tell me and tell us we must be bored, well... No way. And I think it's what Sarah said. I will never be bored of watching us win something when really, I used to just pray that we would score a goal at home when Stuart Pearce was our manager. So, you know, I'm never going to take for granted as winning. And I was thinking as I'm listening to us all chanting, City, the best team in the land and all the world. When I was younger, I used to wonder exactly what it is we all thought was going on there, um, and now I'm thinking, oh, it might actually be true. The first bit definitely is.
1: Absolutely, Tony. Let's. I just want to focus on Pep for a second, actually, because I don't think it's all about him. Uh, clearly, he's a massive part of this, and you know, he's changed the way that football's played around the world. We know that. Um, it's obviously the players, it's the, it's the infrastructure, it's it's the leadership at the club, it's everything. It's every, everything has to come together for the sort of success that we're seeing. Uh, but let's just focus on Pep for a second and, and just, again, celebrate having clearly the best manager in the world and probably, we would argue, the best manager that the Premier League's ever seen as well. I mean, he really is just... It's just a joy, isn't it? Uh, uh, just, just let's let's have a few minutes on Pep in our sort of positive, celebratory podcast that we're having this week. Even, even with Lisa being here, who's, who's doing really well so far. I thought she, you know, the tone wasn't great. I think she could do better, but she's going to have another go in a second, so she'll learn lessons. And yeah, you and you and Sarah have not got a problem. But Lisa,
3: good good luck when you come back. But uh, Tony, kick us off with Pep. He's just an astonishing leader of. Men to to win the league, we all know is a huge achievement to do it five times in six years. And during that time to redefine how football is played is just remarkable. You know, when I used to kick a ball around half end on those muddy pitches in the eighties, you know, I was a left back. Nobody, nobody thought of playing out from the back. It was just hoof the ball as far as you can. And that's the way it was played at every level. Every team now tries to play it out from the back. And that is purely down to one man. And we play football the right way. There is not a person on this planet who could not have seen that Real Madrid game. And certainly that first 45 minutes was the finest performance I've ever seen from any team. And what an absolute joy to be there. And it's down to him and the way he coaches the team and the way he puts so much into that club, I love that little three-minute video they put out of his mm. of his talks before the game, mm. and he just commands respect at every level as a football manager and as a person. Because whatever you do in life, do it with passion and do it to the best of your ability, and no one can say Pep hasn't put his heart and soul into this club. He has just done an astonishing job. Not just him, we should say, the way the whole club has pulled together is just an absolute credit mm. to the team. To the club and to the city, and it comes from the top and from him. Uh, uh, Lisa, the, the, for me, I think it's the fact
1: that we just keep going and going and going, don't we? We, we he improves things, he changes things, he sees things other people don't don't see. You know, John Johns will come in. To some of the players at a second, I don't think anybody's had a bad season. Uh, maybe some of the players who haven't had their chances, uh, you can't give them ten out of ten. Uh, but but the fact that he's just reinventing. and We played last year without a number nine for most of the season. We've had to adapt to having Erling Haaland in the team. The way we've we've adapted, as you rightly said, without with Cancelo disappearing. The fact that we where Rico Lewis played yesterday was just ridiculous as well. And and the fact that they can interchange. You know, we 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 had Foden. You know maybe that's. Sort of Foden of the future, sort of filling in in that sort of midfield role in the central midfield. What job he did there? Then he had to, then he comes out on the wing and just having that flexibility is just he has to take credit for all of that stuff, doesn't he?
2: Completely. And I I have to say I, I uh, the players are wonderful and they do a great job. But I do think it is all about Pep. I do. I don't believe that any other manager would achieve what he has achieved with the group of players. The players are all great, but. On their own without the right direction, without this bizarre, wonderful vision that Pep has. It just I just can't see how anyone else would achieve it. So he must never leave.
0: <laughs>
2: he must they must be working on a cloning experiment. And that is clearly the plan for the future. There is no other plan for the future. Pep must never leave. I just I can't even it it, it doesn't bear thinking about because those players will not do the same things. They won't. I think if he walked out the door tomorrow, the team would not play as well. I, I think it is as simple as it is down to him. There is not a player that has come to City under him or who was there before who hasn't improved. And if I, I, I can see that he is probably an acquired taste and isn't right and not everyone can hack it. I'm not sure I would. He has such passion and drive and he's relentless, but in a way that achieves results. And most of the players who come and stay, it's because they know that they are better with him as their manager. Um, I just, I I can't, he can't go. (laughs) This is positive, not negative. He can't leave.
1: What is it for you, Sarah? What is it about Pep? I mean, just anything else to add to that? How do you see things?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Lisa and Tony have summed up, you know, the vast majority of the the huge amount of positivity we all feel about Pep. He is a genius, a football genius. Um, but there, there were two things I want to say. One links to something that Lisa just said, which is, you know, you read, I mean, it's a terrible thing to waste your time in your life reading Twitter, because um, if, if you wanted negativity in your life, um, spend half an hour on Twitter. But you know, this constant accusation that he's a chequebook manager and he can only manage teams that have spent a fortune. You know, of course, he's not going to get Rochdale into the Premier League if you put him there for three years. But actually, City don't buy superstars, with the possible exception of Haaland. And maybe they could put an argument that spending 100 million on Jack Grealish means you. Actually, the vast everyone else, De Bruyne, when he arrived, he was a 60 million flop. Sterling was a rookie from Liverpool. Um it, You know, Diaz was a, a good defender, but playing at Benfica. A snip
1: you know, at 65 a million.
0: Let's not even go there with a kanji. I mean, you know, the list is endless. Stones, you could just go on and on, as Lisa said, of players who did not arrive as superstars and have become... World class and generally acknowledged as world class. Maybe that's not every player in City squad, but it's a lot of them. So I think that's one thing he doesn't get enough credit for. The other thing I was going to say is, uh, you know, Tony all used the word passionate, relentless, he's driven, he's obsessive. All of which are great. You know, are important qualities in a great leader. But the other thing that I think is really important about him is I think he's got huge levels of emotional intelligence. Mm. And he absolutely absolutely gets people, he demonstrates a a sense of caring and compassion and understanding that doesn't mean he'll allow people to make excuses, but I think he's one of the reasons why largely when City sign players, they stay. They stay because we're successful, they stay because they respect him, and they stay because he and the club care about them and demonstrate that through high levels of emotional intelligence.
1: Uh, I bought the Daily Mail today, and the only reason is I got a message from a mate saying my, my dad was in there uh, for. You talk about Twitter, and, and you will have seen it. I know some of you have liked it or retweeted it anyway. So, uh, um, and I was looking through the player, the seasons player ratings that they gave, and I was amused that Erling Haaland out of ten got ten point five. I've never <laughs> seen that before, which I thought was right, slightly amusing. But but if you were kind of to mark the players, is there anybody? Who are the people you would mark down? I know we, 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 this is a positive podcast, okay? But who are the players in the squad who maybe haven't quite made that mark? We know the season that Rodri's had. We know the seasons that Stones has had. We know the season that Grealish has had. We know the season that Haaland's had, that Bernardo's had. You know, the list goes on and on and on. They have all fantastic footballs, footballers playing at their peak. Uh, who maybe hasn't quite hit the mark for you? Who, who, who are the players that maybe... Just fall slightly short then, Lisa. You, you may as well go first on this, Lisa, I suppose, so you can kick off on this yeah, one. But I'm not sure why I picked yeah, you particularly. I, no,
2: no. <laughs> um, I, I know what everyone is thinking or what I assume what everyone is going to say, and I'm not going to mention that particular player because um, I don't think it's fair. Um, but I think someone like Gomez, maybe... It's unclear as to whether he's exactly the kind of quality we need in a left back. Um, Although, as we've been playing without a left back for the best part of my life, um, I'm I'm not sure it really matters anymore. Um, I feel it's really harsh to be marking anyone down, to be honest with you. I think they've all played a part and... Some so who are you played. not
1: mentioning just in case somebody's listening well, yeah. well, seven, let, let oh go you on. know
2: it's, it's everyone's favourite oh, Calvin Phillips hasn't really shown much this season but he's not played has he he hasn't but played yet I, I, I want there are two things about that one he hasn't played that much there's been various reasons I'm sure another is when he has played he's tended to play in a massively changed side so I don't think it's the right time to be judging him he needs to be judged when he's the only change in the team Um, I'll Use my usual, but it's usually correct. For most players, it takes them a season. Depends on the position. The ones who've tended, apart from Haaland, which is clearly just odd. Um, mostly it's just the defenders who have settled in immediately, like Stones, La, not Stones, sorry, Diaz Laporte and Akanji seem to need the, the least amount of settling of of most of the people who've come in. I, I just I, I really do believe there's no one I can really think of who's been absolutely terrible. Everyone I didn't, say, to me, I didn't say that.
1: I, I, did say I know you did well, This is mark, the positive podcast. Even uh,
2: to mark them down is negative, Nigel. Okay. And I I think that to mark, marking them against where you would expect them to be or the role you would expect them to play, I think that the the big players, the the ones you would expect to really... Um, make a difference at this stage of the season, have done exactly that, and everyone else has been there and played the part they needed to play.
1: All right, Tony, uh, if Harland gets 10.5, uh, anybody else get 10 this season from you then? Who are the ones that literally got the 10s then? any Anybody else quite get to the same level as Harland, or we're talking 9.5s are the closest they get?
3: Do you know what, Nigel? You could make a case for probably about six or seven players this year. Akanji has been, I think astonishing. He's been asked to fill in a new team in various different roles. He's never put a foot wrong, quite frankly, or very, very rarely. Uh, Bernardo, absolutely brilliant. Um, We have a holding midfielder in Rodri who has been astonishing. And the number of games he's been asked to play and his consistency has been out of this world. Diaz stones, probably one of the most improved players in the premier league. Let's not forget the part he paid, um on wednesday night i could i could go on and on ake has been astonishing can i just tell you as well i have a colleague at work who went to the etihad for the first time on wednesday night and he said you know the one player who i thought was astonishing i'd never realized how good he was Edison, he picked out now we just take it for granted i think these days his distribution He said, what a ball playing goalkeeper i mean he barely touched the ball certainly for the first 45 minutes but you know what? I think there's a certain truth there. We just forget excellence is just standard. It was it was just routine on Wednesday night to a certain extent, wasn't it? I mean, you know, it wasn't in the end a surprise we won 4-0. I know we've all got a bit of cityitis in us. So you could pick for me 101 players. I've not mentioned Foden. I've not mentioned Alvarez, who've contributed lots. The only one who slightly frustrates me is Mares at times. But look at the contribution he's made. Patrick in an FA Cup semi-final, won the Spurs game for a single-handedly you know what they're just all brilliant I love them all
1: you can choose Sarah you can give us a a sort of either your favorites those that pushing for tens or those that maybe aren't quite up to the standard
0: well I'm going to give a slightly different spin on this question Nigel which is because you know I I think again Lisa and Tony have eulogized over our amazing squad but um, I've spent a lot of my life in the build-up to a big game and let's you know, let's suggest that an FA Cup final against you-know-who and the Champions League final counters big games. And I have spent most of my life panicking about X or Y being injured. So, you know, in the, in the day... And even in recent times, not... I mean, actually, I didn't really worry about... In fact, I hoped for injuries 20 or 30 years ago, but now I do worry... I do, you know, I have worried about them. You know, Sergio getting injured, David Silva getting injured, Yaya Tori getting injured... If I'm really honest with you, much as I don't want any of our usual first 11 to get injured before the Champions League final, you ju- I just don't feel any of that same level of panic. So if Haaland gets injured, I trust Alvarez to come in and do a job. If Diaz is injured and we play with a back four of Stones, Akanji, Laporte and Gomez, it won't freak me out in the way that it would have done five, five years ago and beyond. So... Yes, some players are more important than others. But actually, I don't think we have a player in that squad who wouldn't come in and do a good job in whatever position they were asked to play. And that, I think, is testimony to how good they all are.
1: And it would be fair, sir. I think, say the goalkeeper as well. We haven't mentioned the reserve hmm? keeper who came in us who absolutely has never let us down. Uh, again, a couple of good saves yesterday that that kept us in the game at times and, you know, as you say, I think it's a great point that across the park we've got such quality and with such a small squad as well, I think probably the smallest in the Premier League. Yes, it's not Listen. that
0: long ago that Claudio Bra- Bravo standing in for Ediston in the cup final would really have had that. Exactly. was all having palpitations, you're absolutely right, yeah.
1: It's the example I used amongst the lads, we were talking about that very thing only yesterday. Listen, I, I was, like yourselves, I was at the Etihad yesterday and uh, chatting to a number of people, but I bumped into uh, the great Ian Cheeseman, who we all know, who does an absolutely fantastic job, has a brilliant vlog, uh, which literally tens of thousands of people watch every week and uh, I just took the opportunity actually uh, Outside the stadium just asked Ian uh, a few his thoughts um, Going into this game as uh, as champions So I've made it to the Etihad and who better to speak to uh, Than Ian Cheeseman. I think he needs no introduction at all. Ian really good to see you. I mean what what does today mean to you?
4: Well watching the football that we watch and seeing the joy on people's faces and having traveled all over the world literally certainly all over europe and all over the uk watching this team go from the depths of despair in the old third tier to these moments which may never be repeated and things that i treasure things that i'll never forget i'm glad that i've been on the journey that i've been on i'm glad that I know at the time it might not have felt like it, but I'm actually glad that I went through all of the laws because it makes all of the highs feel so much more satisfying. We have not only the best coach in the world, but I believe uh, a real humanitarian, a really top guy as coach in Pep. And although I've only ever briefly met him and shook his hand, and obviously I've observed him from a distance, I don't know him personally, but... I'd like to think I'm a good judge of character. And we all know that people in the public eye put on their very best face when they're in public. But I think Pep Guardiola is a very special human being. So to win it with and for him, with this bunch of players who are all about unity, not about single stardom, makes it even more special. I mean, the statues around the side of the stadium there, and you think who's going to be the next one you know is it going to be Kevin De Bruyne or is it going to be Bernardo is it going to be uh, Erling Haaland with all the goals he's scored they all deserve a statue really but to me there's only one it's got to be Pep Guardiola because the way he's got the team playing um, you know you watch them and and a ball looks like it's going to go out and they fight for it I, I, I know I'm nowhere near the quality of all this but when I was younger I used to play badminton a bit for the school and I used to play against the same lad quite a lot because there was only really two of us that played it a lot and he was better than me, he was actually more talented than me but I fought for every shot and I kept stretching and we've got some of the best players in the world but also with that mentality they never know when they're beaten, they fight for each other and they can do the unglamorous thing that becomes the key thing that makes the team win, score a goal or keep a goal out So to be here on a sunny day in Manchester with fellow City fans, celebrating another success, possibly and hopefully on the way to a treble, means the world to me.
1: And just expanding on Pep a little bit, you obviously have seen a few managers in your time. He's clearly, I'm sure, the best manager that that we've ever had in your eyes. What is it about him? Just expand a little bit for us a little bit more about Pep and your view of him.
4: Well, he's highly intelligent. I mean, I'm not saying the others weren't, but he's highly intelligent. He knows how to manage himself and he knows how to manage his life. I mean, his, his wife lives in Barcelona, his little girl lives in Barcelona, and that would be a, a stretch too far for a lot of people. So I think he, he's able to multitask, he's able, he understands the game. He grew up watching Barcelona, who believe in playing football the right way. Uh, he played it himself. He was part of a great Barcelona team. I saw him play as a player. And uh, I know, I mean, when I look back at all the coaches and managers that have been involved at City, I would say that Malcolm Allison is the closest I've seen to this. The, Kevin Keegan, I loved. Um, his passion. And if you sort of take all the bits of Malcolm Allison's being ahead of his time, being a great analyst in terms of coaching take the passion of kevin keegan set the dignity and the, the, the you know the honesty i felt of sven and ericsson you know and, and you take all these little bits of of other coaches and then you end up with this sort of ai version almost which is pep guardiola and uh, i don't think we'll ever see times i don't want to on a day like today be too negative going forward but For anybody who isn't drinking this in now you're making a big mistake because this won't last forever Pep won't be here forever times will change Newcastle might be on the horizon Manchester United might come back who knows what the future holds so just enjoy these moments right now while Pep's here because who knows once he's achieved the ultimate and won the treble if it happens maybe he thinks that's it we don't any of us want that to happen but you wouldn't blame him if he did that so enjoy it drink it in because this man is something very very special and just one final word about the team because you
1: can have a great manager but ultimately it comes down to the players on the pitch just your reflections and thoughts on this amazing team that we have
4: yeah i mean it was an amazing team last year i loved playing watching it play the last year with no out and out striker you know with a false nine and it was very unpredictable Pep's clever enough though to see that you have to keep changing you can't just do the same thing so he's obviously brought in Erling Haaland who is a unique specimen physically, mentally aggressively he can do things other players can't do and he's added a different dimension add to that Julian Alvarez who although he's somewhat of a been a cameo player really this year has still produced some key moments in midfield you've got Gundogan who is the metronome who I think he's a little bit underrated by a lot of people, but I think he's such an important player. He's particularly special to me because he was born in Gelsenkirchen when my mum was born, uh, so I have that sort of pride in, in him captaining and playing in the number eight shirt, the Colin Bell shirt, and in the captain's arm but but as a player, he's phenomenal. Then you've got Kevin De Bruyne who can cross and put it on a sixpence, and has a tremendous selfless attitude. He could be the star of this team, he could be the one who's drawing all the attention, but he's quite a modest individual who lets his talking happen on the pitch. Bernardo, who Pep said when he first brought him in, as long as I'm here, Bernardo will be here. And I know there's been talk of him going, thank goodness he stayed. That guy never stops. He's such a clever, his close control reminds me a bit of Messi. No wonder Barcelona have shown some interest in him. And you've got Ruben Diaz, who is just such a great organiser and such a determined individual. You've got uh, John Stones, who for a while I wasn't, I wasn't really certain about, but now has developed into this magnificent player who can play in different positions.
0: And I could go through
4: every single player in the squad, but we're just so very, very lucky to have them. But I go back again to Pep. He brings out the best in players, players who you might not have spotted. Other players might not have looked at Akanji, might not have looked at Ake at Bournemouth, might not have looked at, at other players. He did, and he knew what he could do with them, and he's brought out the best of them. So, thank you, Pep. Ian, thanks very much for what you do for all
1: City fans. Wishing you continued success and look forward to seeing you at Wembley and in Istanbul.
4: You too, and thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Love it, thank you.
1: Welcome back what a great Manny and Cheeseman is. We wish him luck with his vlog. Uh, listen, let's look back. Tony, you, you've mentioned it nine times already because you, you can't, you can't concentrate. I know I realize that's difficult for you to focus on one job at a time, but Sarah, let's, let's talk about, you've talked about these two cup finals coming out. Let's talk about the Champions League because that first half against Real Madrid was just mad. Um, Everybody is saying we're hot favourites. To be fair, in Porto, a couple of years ago, we were hot favourites as well, I seem to remember, Um, and that didn't end well. Um, Edin Dzeko worries me, shitless. Um, I'm wondering if we'll sing the Edin Dzeko song. Probably we will, because we're a typical city. Uh, But but, (sighs) Champions League final, uh, does it worry you that we're firm favourites, or based on what you've just said about the squad and players filling in for injuries... How confident are you? What are your thoughts ahead of this this amazing opportunity to potentially win the Champions League for the first time in our history?
0: The first thing I'd say is I'm really glad we're playing European opposition and not an English team. It makes it feel, and especially if we do win it, I'd quite like to win it against a European team. Um, Look, City should win the Champions League. They are by far the better team. And... uh, but we all know it's football. So, you know, being the best team doesn't guarantee anyone. We ought to beat United in the cup final. Um, and the very thought of not doing that fills me with I mean, horror is not even a strong enough word, but we ought to win both of those finals if we play to our potential. And if we can play anything like we played in those first 45 minutes against Real Madrid that Tony quite rightly uh, mentioned, we ought to win both of those finals quite comfortably. So, Look, I've had to learn, like all City fans, I've had to learn to let go of my neurosis about supporting this club. And I haven't let go of it completely. So, and in a way, we, we wouldn't be City fans if we wandered around with a smug arrogance. I can think of other clubs that uh, suit that kind of fan much better than City. But I, I am slowly getting to a point where I trust the team, the players, Pep, etc., to deliver when it really matters because they've done it often enough to give us that confidence so quietly confident is the word i'd use nigel about both finals
1: tony quietly confident is that where you sit champions league
3: yeah i think so we've we've what is it 20 odd games now and beaten and we've only drawn a handful of those we have been astonishingly good and i don't think there's anything to fear from inter milan the only thing to fear is, is ourselves and hopefully we won't make the same mistakes as we did a couple of years ago, whether it was pep overthinking or arguably winning the league too early and just losing that focus. I don't know, but we are a, a much better team than we were two years ago. I think both on the pitch and the mentality of the the club is, is far stronger. So I'm very confident, but it is a sporting event. It'd be boring if, if we absolutely knew the result to start with, but I think it should be a great game. And I am, I'm confident, and quite frankly, if we lost the FA Cup ten nil, I wouldn't care as long as we win the Champions League. So, I'll still take the trouble. Though, don't get me wrong, but very excited. Bring them both on. There for the taking.
1: You're, how confident are you then, Lisa, in terms of Champions League? Then, where do you, where do you sit on this one?
2: Um, I'm also. I'm confident that we can win the Champions League. But and I and I think that we have a different attitude now to two years ago. And two years ago, we beat ourselves. We Chelsea, we beat ourselves more than Chelsea beat us that day. I think. And I think that Pep beat himself. He's learned from it. We've all learned from it. Um, nothing's a guarantee. But we should. We are the better team. And if, like Sarah said, if we play like we did against Real Madrid, there's no way no, no team can live with that. Noble position, and yes, I am slightly worried about Jako. I mean, I love Jako, <laughs> but I will, I will not particularly love him to 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 beat Real Madrid like that and to to lose the Champions League final to an Eden Jako had would not be my idea of a perfect ending. Um, funny though it might be, um, no, I'd be quite happy for us to win. 4 one, he can score, a, he can score a goal, and we'll all be, everyone will be happy.
1: Listen, we've got a, a couple of weeks before all that happens, so we're going to be back. We're going to be talking about the FA Cup final. We're going to be talking about the Champions League final. We'll have opportunities to do that with my guests over the next couple of weeks. We do have a couple of league games, uh, and it's really interesting. I was slightly surprised to see the side, the starting lineup against Chelsea, because I think he made a lot of changes, and people talk about momentum. And, you know, what do I know? But I was just slightly concerned that we keep that momentum going. And whilst he's got a rest player, he's delighted to see that that uh, some of the key players, Rodri and De Bruyne, have sort of had rest and so on. That was really important. But it's really important also to keep that momentum going. So with that in mind, your thoughts ahead of Brighton, which is, you know, they're, they're, they're in Europe, but kind of which European competition will depend on their next couple of results. So they'll be up for it. Um, and then, of course, we've got Brentford on the last uh, day of the season as well. So two Premier League games to come. Uh, before we got the FA Cup final and then that Champions League final. So just how do you see that playing out, Tony, in terms of getting that balance right between resting players, keeping the momentum going, keeping match fitness going and all that stuff? It's a difficult balancing act, isn't it, I think?
3: I think it is. And also we want to keep this, this run together. I think we'd all be a bit disappointed if we lost one of the games. I mean, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. He could play the kids, but... I think we'd all feel a lot more confident. I'm sure the players would if we end the season unbeaten. So I suspect he might go strong for one game and play a a slightly weaker team uh, for the other. Um, Looking at the bench on, on Sunday, it was quite astonishing, though, wasn't it, to see the players at our disposal there. I suspect he might bring back many of the regulars for the Brighton game. Um, you know, I don't think they're renowned as a hard tackling team. They're very much, I think, in our image, and they've done very well based on that, a passing team. So I suspect he'll he'll go pretty strong on Wednesday. That gives him 10 days. If anyone takes a knock, that should give him long enough to recover. And then we'll all have a bit of a party at Brentford. Looking forward to going to that one. But um, I suspect we'll see the likes of Gomez, etc., playing then. Ake looks almost fit, so. It's all looking good, but as Sarah says, I don't think we've all got quite the same fear as we had if we were to lose a player. This really is a, ma- a machine that just keeps going on regardless. So, look, I, I, let's just enjoy it. Let's savour this moment and look forward to to what we've got ahead with a couple of of good performances. Listen, as long as nobody gets injured, quite frankly, I think that's the most important thing. But, yeah, I hear you, Nigel. Momentum's important this time of the year. How does he shuffle his pack then, Sarah?
0: I'm not sure whether he's going to go hybrid um, and do a mixture of the team from Chelsea with some of the players in at the beginning or whether he'll do what Tony's just said start with the strongest team but take a a fair number of them off after 60 minutes Um, because I agree with you I think there is something about them continuing to play almost on this every three or four days basis but and because we've taken the mental intensity out of the game we, we need to we, we, you know I think the idea of Harland and De Bruyne are not playing for two and a half weeks is not a good idea and you know I'm sure Pep knows this so I think he'll probably start quite strong on Sunday uh, sorry on Wednesday and take players off after 60 minutes rather than 75 or 80 minutes and then uh he'll do it. The ones he didn't take off after 60 or 75 minutes on Sunday, On Wednesday, he'll give more of a game to on Sunday. That's my... I don't think he'll start with the team he started the Chelsea game with.
2: Is
1: that how you see it as well, Lisa?
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the next two games will be more competitive.
2: I don't know what the situation will be for Brentford, whether they can still get into Europe, but obviously, like you said, Brighton, don't know which European competition they're going to be in. So the Definitely be more competitive than Chelsea was. I and I really do believe that they need to maintain the momentum somehow. Um, so I, I do think it will be a stronger team against Brighton. Um, I don't know what i will do with the goalkeepers. Quite interested in that because obviously um, Ortega is going to play against United in the in the FA Cup final. So I don't know whether he'll give them a game each, one more game each in the league. I don't know, again, because I know Edison spends most of his time standing there doing nothing, so he's used to not being that busy. But he probably he just as much as anyone else, they need the rhythm, and it's it's not it's it's a nice problem to have. But nice um, problem
1: to have, nice problem to have indeed.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. but we'll see. I mean, I I think there will be changes from the Chelsea match, definitely.
1: As I said earlier, we're going to have further chats about the two other cup finals. Um, by the time we come back, we'll know what happened in the Brighton and Brentford games. Just one final question before we go, because uh, this may be—I don't know—maybe your last appearance this season, you three. So, so thank you very much for your contribution, as always. In case I don't get the chance to say that, um, I'm just looking forward to kind of who might go, because there's r- reports of maybe Laporte could well be on his way out. Bernardo, every year, we seem to have the same debate about Bernardo. Gundogan, we've talked a lot on the podcast. Some say that mm, we've done a bit of a deal to keep him a bit longer, which would be great news, et cetera. Um, with that in mind, and thinking ahead to kind of next season and, and the transfer window, where do you think we may want to kind of refresh things? We know we've got fantastic players all, of, all over the park. Any areas particularly... Uh, Lisa, that you think that we uh, that we need refreshing, or you're just happy we'll go. It's not a big squad. Um, I guess yes. If those three go, I guess by definition we want to replace those positions. Any any other areas that concern you particularly?
2: I did say I'm going to give up on left back, but left back. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
1: You've been oh, saying well, that for a lot. I think that's I, I, try, I think we could replay this we can go back the years,
2: um, years. But I mean, I I think on Bernardo and Gundogan. I don't want to lose either of them. To lose one of them would be upsetting. To lose two of them would be quite really devastating. Yes. Um, and so, I look, they know what's going on more than we do. I assume that they're planning ahead. We're always on the lookout for a midfielder because who doesn't need an extra midfielder? So, no, I mean, I think for, for me also, the other thing I think we really need to consider is who is going to replace Walker's Pace in the team because that he has been employed as a tactic. His pace has been employed as a tactic of late, and there is—I mean, I know it's unusual to have a player like that, but um yeah, I'd be interested to see what their plans are around that um because he is um, one of the older players in the squad. So he was right, good, a Wednesday
1: night. He was good he on Wednesday. He was good on Wednesday night, wasn't he, Walker? My no, word! Was what super, a player! Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, Sarah, any any weaknesses, any areas where you'd like to see a bit of strengthening going on other than the areas where people might leave?
0: It's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, if if, if Laporte goes, as is rumoured, uh, we, we do need another centre-half who can also... I mean, I've stopped talking about full-backs in Pep's system because that's not what he really, he really uses anymore. He just needs defensively-minded players and that... Uh, And I agree with you, Lisa, about Walker's pace. The only thing I would say is that his pace is pretty unique. There's not many defenders who can run as fast as Carl Walker. And also, with the exception, I know a very important exception, of when he he caught up with Vinicius on Wednesday night, Um, actually City don't get caught out for pace very often these days. It used to be more of a problem. So uh, I wouldn't buy a defender just because he's very fast, although if he was, that would be helpful. I mean, the big concern is those two central midfielders because they're they are they're not irreplaceable because nobody is. But Bernardo and or going is a problem in that I can't immediately think of somebody where I, that makes me think, well, if one of those goes, if we got X or if we got Y, assuming Bellingham's going to Madrid. Um, and I think we do need another younger midfielder with a lot of potential because De Bruyne is 32. You know, the, the, he, he and Gundogan are... Uh, Starting to knock on the door of uh, early retirement so I think I think a, a really top class or potentially top class midfielder would be the main addition I'd be looking for
1: Anything missing for you Tony? Where do you think we'll be uh, shopping around for?
0: Well I think if we don't do
3: the treble then Pep's got to go to be honest so uh, be a new manager for me but uh, no apart from that what more could you want from the world's greatest football team?
1: Not much what more can you want from three of the greatest guests as well? Huge thanks to the three of them, to Sarah Messenger, to the very positive Lisa Rubinovitz, and to Tony Nugrosh. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.